The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. He's in Roanoke right now. Rob, what's going on? Man, just enjoying a relatively chill Thursday night. Um, what about you, man? How's life in Alexandria? Life is good. It's nice in fall here, so it's been a lot of long sleeve tees. A lot. Of, it's hoodie season, and I love it. I I love fall. I used to. I mean, I think summer is my favorite season, but because I don't work. But it's um, <laughs> I I love fall, and when I love winter. I don't really like winter, actually. Anyway. Yeah, but, I was going to say, I don't, I don't feel like anybody likes winter as their favorite season. I like fall, and I get summer and spring, but winter is... Anyway, we're a UVA sports podcast. We'll leave that for another day. <laughs> we could become a weather podcast. Although, I don't look at the weather before I leave in the morning. So sometimes I'm really surprised <laughs> by what happens. Anyway, uh, let's get to it. We had a great win this past weekend, uh, 48-0 over Duke. Rob was at the game. He's going to give us the scoop. The inside scoop. We're now five and two, uh, three and two in the conference. So, like, if you had to go back three weeks ago, what would you? Where were? Where was your head at in terms of this season? So I will preface this by saying again, we are right on track according to me and Dustin's (laughs) preseason predictions: five and two, three and two in the ACC. Right on track. Uh-huh. Um, no, if you would have asked me really like, I mean, it's really not even that long ago, like less than two weeks ago, if you would have asked me after the third quarter of the Louisville game, I would have said, you know, this team is hopeful for six and six, mm-hmm. like hopeful to make a bowl. And now, you know, if you lose to Georgia Tech this weekend, you know, it could get a little dicey again, I guess, but yeah, I anyway, I think we're like a win or two better at least than what we were talking about then. So certainly come a long way. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just crazy how, you know, we we beat well, we lose to Wake Forest at home, which now doesn't seem nearly as bad considering they are, you know, one of the better they're, they're the best team in the ACC right now. Probably them and uh NC State and Pittsburgh all look really good. Well, for ACC standards. And and so that that loss didn't seem as bad. Getting blown out by Carolina still stings, but you know those two losses back to back kind of pitched me the wrong way. And then we went at Miami, we went at Louisville in pretty dramatic fashion, and then we crushed Duke at home. Really feels like the season's kind of turned around again. And I want to discuss that with you and your thoughts. But first, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Symbol. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the 7,000-plus early adapters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com. To create a free account and when you deposit use the promo code sd to and your deposit will be risk free that means even if you lose money symbol will refund your initial deposit no questions asked join symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams we are also sponsored by spotify green room spotify green room is a live audio only sports talk platform you can talk to me other fans athletes and insiders in real time get in on the conversations that you listen to on your podcast every day all you need to do is download download the spotify green room app for free in the ios app store create a profile link your twitter and join whatever group you want go ahead and start talking about your favorite sports uva okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life i'm gonna punch people from uva right in the neck 
wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So, I think, Rob, the big story of the day is, I mean, the the offense scored 48 points, which was amazing and so far a season high, but our defense shut out Duke, and I just want to talk about that for a little bit. Is our defense actually getting better, or does Duke suck a lot? Yeah, well, you know, Duke's not the best team in the world. I think yeah. we realized that on Saturday, last Saturday, that is. But the defense is definitely getting better. There's no question about that. And, you know, the defense has kind of had its ups and downs, you know, really wasn't tested the first two weeks against William & Mary in Illinois, then faced two high-flying offenses against UNC and Wake Forest. Although I will say the way UNC's season is trending that game is looking more and more like an outlier. Yeah. But then, you know, overall, like they had some like hiccups against Miami, but overall played okay against Miami, had a really bad third quarter against Louisville, but overall, like definitely made some progress. And I will tell you, going back and watching the Duke game, I was definitely impressed by this defense and the steps they are taking are noticeable. And, you know, it's, the scheme switch has been more difficult than I think I anticipated mm-hmm. and probably the coaching staff anticipated. And again, we really haven't gotten an insight from Bronco on why they decided to do it now or really why they decided to do it at all. You know, I, I think most people can come to the right answers on those questions, but we really haven't gotten Bronco's insight there. So, you know, anyway, I say that. But they looked really good against Duke, and the linemen were getting upfield. The linebackers were staying home when they were supposed to, but then attacking the line of scrimmage when they were supposed to. The defensive backs made plays. Both Devontae Cross and Joey Blunt had interceptions. You know, there's real noticeable progress going on with the defense, which has been nice to see, especially, you know, after we had to hold our breath for so many weeks earlier in the season. And I love the four turnovers, right? Two interceptions, two fumbles, and I know I think this defense really got after uh, Holmberg and w- was able to pressure him. And you know the secondary did what they needed to do to stop everyone. And really, what we were worried about was the running game, right? You were talking about last week how Mateo Durant, great running back, had just tor- had torched a couple teams this season. Held to 82 yards and 17 rushes, no touchdowns, long of 24. But, you know, this defense really locked in, and I, I'm i hoping they're trending in the right direction. Now, as you said, I don't think Duke's like a great team at a, in any sense of the word, but I am excited to see, you know, that this UVA team is going in the right direction, and it seems to that the scheme is working, and... Hopefully, as the season goes on, we're going to see more and more plays where you know it just it just makes more sense that this defense does in the last than last year. Yeah, you know I think we will, and I, we kind of went through the first uh, part of the schedule, which was really difficult. You know, we saw it before the season, the UNC Wake and Miami stretch, and now you know you hope they can get past Georgia Tech, and we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes. But then now they're approaching the back third of the schedule which is again really difficult uh Mm -hmm. byu notre dame pittsburgh and virginia tech so i would be surprised if we saw any more shutouts but i think we have seen a lot of progress and um you know as far as the duke rushing attack is concerned virginia deserves a lot of credit there mateo durant was and still is a tremendous running back and virginia with the exception of really two runs both of which came in the first quarter Virginia really held him in check because I think the first run, if I'm remembering correctly, you know, it was either it was Nick Grant or it might have been Noah Taylor. One of them was out of position and didn't contain the boundary and he broke loose for a longer run. The other one, I think it might have been more on Josh Ahern. I don't remember off the top of my head, but again, just linebacker being out of position and they broke outside. But that's really the biggest struggle you see with this defense 
this new scheme is it's entirely new gap responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So the linebackers in particular, if there's a big run, typically, and sometimes it's someone in the secondary, but typically it's a linebacker being out of position. And aside from those two runs, Virginia did a really, really good job in maintaining gap integrity against Duke. And that's why, you know, Mateo Durant, who is rushing for 30, 40 attempts a game, you know, hitting 150, 200 yards at times was contained to just 82 yards. And it was really impressive. You know, a lot of credit to Nick Jackson, man. Like, it's a shame Nick Jackson didn't win ACC linebacker of the week because in my eyes, he was very deserving. He was all over the field um, as far as rushing the passer. He had Virginia's only sack. You know, he was up in the run game. So you had him playing really well. Josh Ahern with kind of the surprise start, you know, had his struggles a bit in pass coverage, but did well, I think, against the run for the most part. And then Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor didn't have kind of the standout game as far as statistics go, but going back and rewatching the game, Noah Taylor was in position all the time, and he stopped a lot of runs where if he wasn't there, they would have been much bigger runs. So I give a lot of credit to the linebackers in this game against Duke because, um, you know, they did a really good job shutting down that Duke run game and making them throw. So with the with the defense, you know, doing better and the offense having the best game of the season, I feel like I feel like this team is just kind of surging right now. And especially with the with the uh, great field goal defense slash lucky lucky kicks that we had <laughs> those couple weeks. I feel like that we kind of turned a new leaf, right? Uh, beating Illinois and William & Mary so badly and then just getting decimated by UNC and Wake Forest in back-to-back weeks. People saying the defense is trash. I said the defense was trash. A lot of people thought that. And to see them really kind of step it up, you know, not perfect by any means. And I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll get into it against Georgia Tech a little bit and we'll see what Georgia Tech can do to us. But... I feel like, you know, we'll be we'll be pretty good. Yeah, and again, like the defense has come a long way and there's noticeable steps being made. And by no means is this defense perfect, by no means are they, you know, necessarily even top half of the ACC, but you got to give credit for shutting out an ACC opponent. First time Virginia had done that since they played Maryland in 2008, so 13 years since they had accomplished this feat. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to them. Um, you know, I think, I think this defense, the biggest thing I was, well, I guess there's two things really, as far as being impressed by one being, as we alluded to the run defense, the run defense really held their own. And it's something that was, you know, so exciting to see, because if you remember the last few years, the secondary was so bad, but the rush defense was actually really good. And the rush defense kind of struggled this year as teams realized, Hey, like, we could probably still pass the ball, but we don't even have to. We can just run it and get yards. So anyway, the rush defense I was really impressed by. And the other thing is turnovers. You know, Virginia had been trending upward the past few weeks as far as defensive performance is concerned, but they hadn't gotten turnovers. And Virginia, you know, the last turnover at the goal line. So Virginia had four t- turnovers. They forced that one was kind of whatever. The game was well decided at that point, but Two interceptions, uh, as we alluded to, Devontae Cross and Joey Blunt, and then also a fumble recovery, So, which was still when the game was not quite a blowout yet. So the ability to force turnovers will be big moving forward. So those were two aspects that I was really happy with. But, you know, it's hard to get Nick picky with this defense, man, at least after the Duke game, because um, they played well, and they, they deserve credit for that. I, I totally agree. Um, and the other thing is it's hard to get nitpicky with this offense, too. Offense was really good. Um, although Brennan Armstrong wasn't super accurate. He was 25 of 45. It's about 55%. Uh, he did have 364 yards, two touchdowns, and he was slinging the ball all over the field. Um, I think the best you know, example of this is that all the people who caught a ball in this game, all seven of them, had averaged more than 10 yards a carry a catch so i i just think you know this offense is playing its best ball right now and i look forward to seeing what it can do not just against georgia tech but against the back third of our schedule with those teams at byu 
Notre Dame at Pitt and then Virginia Tech at home. And like, what do you, how do you feel about this offense? And what is something that we, is there anything we can work on? Honestly, I mean, I'd still like to see them run the ball more. They did, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that, that is what it is, but it's hard. Again, it's hard to complain when you're scoring so many points. Yeah. I forget what the question was. Uh, Someone asked Robert and I this, this week, it was, it might've been like potential interceptions or completion percentage with Armstrong. I forget what the exact question was, but they asked Robert and I, if he was concerned about that. And Robert and I's response was, yeah, like we could look at that, but we could also just look at points, which mm-hmm. is the thing we're most concerned about. And when you score 48 points, you know, 35 at halftime, you know, you're pretty comfortable with that. So yeah. the offense, again, nitpicky is the word here, but no, I mean, you have to be really happy with how things are. The receiving core, I mean, Dontavian Wicks, great to have him back. Mm-hmm. Glad the concussion hopefully was not too serious that he suffered last week. Uh, but doing Dontavian Wicks things, he's a true number one. Uh, seven receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. We know what we're going to get from Billy Kemp every week. Keaton mm-hmm. Thompson played well. Rashawn Henry, only one catch for 25 yards after going for 179 yards against Louisville. But you know, they did well, but I say all this as I'm working down the receiving list, yeah. the stats from Duke, because I want to get to Danique Starling and Malachi Fields. I mean, this is a receiving core that is getting even deeper as we go through the season. Yeah. You know, Danique Starling had that big, I think it was a 65-yard touchdown catch against William & Mary to start the season, but really had been pretty quiet since. But if you look back on a couple of the touchdowns, Danique Starling's on the field. Like, he got a lot of run against mm-hmm. Duke and Malachi Fields, the freshman from Charlottesville. He actually made his first start uh, against Duke, had one catch for 19 yards, drew a pass interference on another play. So, you know, this depth is continuing to emerge. And honestly, like at some point we have to start considering, you know, if or when Lavelle Davis comes back this season, yeah. there's another person who's going to be on the field. And I don't expect him to necessarily reached the level he was playing at last year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's another guy that could come into the receiving core and do damage. So this receiving core is just so, so deep. Um, And this offense, you know, as long as Brennan Armstrong is under center, it just seems to be clicking perfectly at times in the passing game. It's really hard to find a a thing to talk about, you know, that's negative with this team and this offense particularly. I mean, we could talk a lot about how the defense has been no good for a lot of the year, but I mean, honestly, they were great against Duke and the offense. The only thing is, you know, you said it, not a lot of carries. I mean, Brendan had eight carries uh, when Jay Wolfolk came in. He had five carries for 38 yards, which is pretty good. You know, Wayne only had five carries this game. Ronnie Walker Jr. had two carries this game. So Devin Darrington had five carries, but I think when he got most of his, it was kind of you know, already out of the way. It's just, um, it's been fun to have a really good offense. And I'm really excited to, to, to keep having it in here. Yeah. And I mean, how far it's come really, you know, not even like I was thinking when I first started this sentence, you know, like the, the Lake row years, London years, when Mm -hmm. I really struggled moving the ball, But heck, I mean, even go back to like 2016, 2017, I mean, this offense is putting up incredible numbers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Robert and I gets a lot of heat sometimes, but I think he's been, you know, pretty universally praised for how this offense has looked for the most part this season. Yeah. But what I think about, to me, what's just as impressive is the way this offense has been kind of transformed throughout his tenure at UVA and Mm -hmm. year by year, like sometimes there's small tweaks and sometimes there's huge tweaks, you know, think about uh, that first season, 2016, when they really, really wanted to go no huddle and they went no huddle against Richmond and lost. And basically that was thrown out the door. It was a pretty balanced offense that you smoke a lot in the passing game. 2017 comes around. Smoke's not there. It's a little more pass heavy. Uh, with Kurt Benkert, but you know it was it was I don't know it was kind of hard to find a balance there. But then 2018 when Bryce Perkins came, and then 2019 they became like 
run heavy teams and 2018 in particular Mm -hmm. and you know using the quarterback run and 2019 with Perkins as well and then 2020 rolls around they have to like adjust they have to pull a lot of the passing plays out and Brennan Armstrong is running even more than Perkins did Mm -hmm. and now here we are in 2021 and we're barely running the ball and we're this is like a true air raid this is like Patrick Mahomes-esque yeah when he was in college so like the offense is like evolved a lot year over year it's again sometimes there's small tweaks like 18 and 19 with Perkins, but considering last year at the end of the year when they really wanted to run the ball during that win streak compared to where we are now, I mean, it's a total change and it's a lot of the same personnel, different people at receiver. But to me, it's impressive, honestly, how Robert and I has been able to kind of dramatically at times shift the scheme in the span of just a year and have the success that Virginia is having right now. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it's been a really great. I think it's been great to to see it transform everything. It's so fun to watch these games and watch these guys fly around the field. Their route running, the wide receivers' route running is incredible. Our running backs are great in pass protection. Jelani Woods is a freak, and I love watching him run and play and catch balls in the end zone. I just think that it, you know, if our defense can be pretty average, I'm not even saying really average, like super minimally average i think we can do a really good job of uh this year and and i'm excited to see what this team does with the rest of its uh games you know and we we're about to hit some really fun games we're at byu you know 10 15 kickoff on espn2 <laughs> that's gonna be great notre dame at home they're number 13 right now they're still in the hunt for you know a they're probably not going to make the playoffs at this point, but they're still in the hunt, and you know that's a that's going to be a great game and a great atmosphere at Pitt. And you know Pitt is in the in the lead for the coastal right now, so if we beat Georgia Tech, we'll be right behind them still. And then of course you know you have uh, Tech at home, and I just you know I hate that game, and you know <laughs> are there going to be more Tech fans in the stadium? Probably, and. I'm looking forward to see how we react to that. And so I'm looking, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, man. Well, I don't know about that tech prediction because oh, really? they're calling for Fuente's head right now. No one is happy with Fuente. Yeah, Especially but... if tech loses this weekend against Syracuse, it could get ugly. But no, I, I say that halfway at least and kidding. But um, No, listen, I mean, it's going to be a fun end to the season. I think it's going to be even more fun if Virginia is able to pull out the win against Georgia tech. But so that way, like you get the win out of the way against Georgia tech, you're sitting at six and two, you have a bowl bid locked up and then, you know, you just go out and have fun with the last four games. You know, Mm -hmm. Virginia might be favored in some, they might not be in others. They're all going to be difficult, but if you get that bowl bid secured, then you can just go out and play loose and have fun. And, if you don't have that secured, then it's like, all right, well, when is that next win going to come? Is it going to come? But I think Virginia, again, we'll, we'll get to this in one second, but I think Virginia should feel pretty good about where they are heading against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, but unless you have anything else to add, Dustin, the one thing I do want to bring up before we dive into Georgia Tech, and it's something that, you know, was – we kind of noticed during the game, I guess, against Duke on Saturday in the fourth quarter when the reserves came in, it became even more interesting when Bronco mentioned it during his press conference this mm-hmm. week, but about the backup quarterback situation. Now, <laughs> Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong, but the game was blacked out for many viewers yes. in Alexandria, correct? Well, I so I have YouTube TV, and YouTube TV doesn't have the local channels. And so I was um, unable to to watch the game, unfortunately, which was too bad because I I streamed it in in a way that I don't have to di- diverge right now or divulge right now. Uh, <laughs> no need to talk about that. However, um, I I was able to watch the first half, and then the 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 stream I was watching on cut out, so I wasn't able to to see it there. The the problem is, you know, I wasn't able to see our backup quarterback come in, Jay Wolfolk. And apparently he is the answer to our 
problems after Brennan is gone. Or so Broncos said, at least. And yeah. <laughs> that's the debate this week. Did he mean to say that? Was he misspoken? I would say Bronco is very intentional about how he talks. So I feel like if he said it, we should probably take it at face value. Uh-huh. But, you know, this is a long introduction to the fact that Jay Wolfolk was the first quarterback off the bench in the fourth quarter um, Saturday against Duke. Again, this week, uh, Ira Armstead is listed as the backup again. But it really seems that Jay Wolfolk is the true number two quarterback. Now, he's out of Richmond. He's a true freshman. It's kind of funny. He was the only of the backup quarterbacks not to participate in spring practice mm-hmm. because you had Ira Armstead participating and you had Jacob Rodriguez, who enrolled early. Of course, Jacob Rodriguez will be interesting to see if they try to move him back to quarterback. But this season seems kind of fully in this football player position, kind of as Keaton Thompson is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that Jay Wolfolk comes in and gets the backup quarterback spot at least for now and bronco labeled him as the successor to brennan armstrong yeah which is really high praise and you know he said the same thing about brennan armstrong but brennan armstrong when you think about it he's the first quarterback under the mendenhall regime that is a starter that is not a transfer so mm-hmm. i mean i think it's a good thing that we're seeing jay wolfolk's name come up and that bronco views him so highly and robert and i also had some comments on him also views him very highly but i think it is really an interesting thing because i like wolfolk coming out of high school you know there was obvious potential but him as a baseball player him not participating in spring practice you know i was kind of surprised that you know he's at least the number two quarterback right now. Although I will say when you watch it on the field, I think he deserves it. But Mm. anyway, I was curious if you had thoughts on the backup quarterback situation and, you know, whether you liked or disliked what Bronco said or how it's being handled. Just curious your thoughts. I mean, you know, Bronco, you Bronco does what Bronco wants and that's the whole, that's kind of his thing, right? Is he's going to tell you what's up and you're going to accept it if you like it or not. And so with the, you know, backup quarterback, you know, we have Jay Wolfolk here who's been kind of dubbed the 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 next quarterback of UVA. And we've got two others, at, at least two, you know, Keaton Thompson doesn't even count anymore. But Jacob Rodriguez and Ira Armstead are both still on the roster, uh, neither of whom have played a lot of a lot of uh, quarterback recently. And so when you look at it, it's just um, it's in, it's an interesting take because because. You know, you you hate to see players leave, but it's a good problem to have if you've got too many good quarterbacks, right? So, like, my gut is that we might see some of our other quarterbacks leave. And I don't know how Ira Armstead's doing, but, you know, he only had three carries in this past game for zero yards and total. And so, you know, it's just kind of a – it's an interesting situation to be in, I think. Certainly, and – you know, the staff has kind of evolved this year in the sense that they've always recruited these dual threat guys. I mean, ever since Rocco got here, he wanted these dual threat quarterbacks, quarterback mm-hmm. as they call them. But, you know, this is, I mean, now year six, the first year that there's really kind of a full pipeline of guys in this mold. And, you know, there's more coming. Davis Lane next year is a very, very fast sprinter. Lenora Sellers the year after is more of a power guy. Um, but you have all these dual threat quarterbacks now. And I will say Ira Armstead, his the knock on him coming out of high school was that he was still developing as a passer. I think in his limited action when he's been at quarterback this year, I think you can see he's a little bit uneasy in the pocket, um, you know, really looking to run first at times as opposed to pass first. And then anyway, we bring in Jacob Rodriguez, who's a true freshman. And Rodriguez was a pretty highly ranked recruit, played at um, – forget what level he played at in Texas high school, but a very high level and was successful there. But now he's playing this, you know, quote unquote football player role. We'll see if he stays in that or if they want to move him back to quarterback more this off season. Um, anyway, there's a lot of moving chairs. And as you said, like college football, especially now with the new transfer rules, you can see guys moving on. You know, if yeah. Ira Armstead wants to play quarterback and, you know, he feels like Jay Wolfolk has passed him on the depth chart. Yeah, maybe he moves on, and I don't want to speculate, but that's a possibility out there. 
Um, another thing to consider is that Jay Wolfolk, as of now, is still planning to play baseball in the spring. Mm-hmm. So if he is the successor, you know, Russell Wilson did it. And I think Jameis Winston, to an extent, did it as well. But it's very difficult to do to play two sports. And, you know, if he's playing baseball, he's probably not going through spring practice. So anyway, there's all these considerations that are at play here. So they'll all work themselves out. But I think it is very interesting to think, you know, how this situation has kind of evolved uh, with a quarterback in each class continuing uh, here forward, which I like them to do. So anyway, there's a lot of options, but I think it is promising to see Jay Wolfel get the praise that he's getting from both Bronco and Adai. And he only threw one pass against Duke on Saturday, had a couple runs, but he certainly looked the part and mm-hmm. is someone that I'm excited to see. Yeah. So it'll be interesting going forward to see. And, you know, my hope is, uh, my well, my not my hope, but my guess is that we don't see a backup quarterback again this year, unless it's for you know some awful circumstance. I mean, hopefully we blow out Georgia Tech, but I'm not sure we can do it two times in a row, you know. And uh, I'm just I'm a, but it'll be interesting to see you know how it mo- goes moving forward because you know I feel like I feel like the other two, especially. Uh, Rodriguez has definitely played in more than four games already, right? Yeah, so Rodriguez has played in every game, so he won't be able to rate redshirt. But Wolfolk has only played in two games. So my my guess is that unless there's an injury to Brennan where he has to miss time, my guess is that the plan is to redshirt Wolfolk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, just because, you know, we I think – if he's going to be the quarterback of the future, you're going to want him to not play that much. And so far this season, is this the first time he's come in or, or has he come in before? So he came in, shoot, I can't remember if it was William and Mary or Illinois. I want to say it was Illinois. He came in, Okay. but uh, yeah, this was his second appearance this season. Okay. So he's got two more games he can play while maintaining this red shirt. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I just, I just feel like, you know, we, we, I mean, hopefully we don't see him again for, for obvious reasons. We don't want our, our main man to get hurt, but we also, you know, need him in the future, which is going to be, you know, the main focus. So I think, I think it's interesting that I also think it's interesting that, you know, and I've already said this, but Bronco's just kind of a, a dude who will just tell you what's up and, you know, having him just say like, Oh, this is our next guy. It just it makes a lot of sense, you know, and so I'm I'm happy that it's it it's nice knowing what he's thinking at all times. Yeah, no, I mean he leaves a little doubt with that. I mean, go back a few years to the 27 ACC players comment. Uh-huh. You know, he for better or worse, you know, he kind of tells you what's exactly on his mind. So yeah. yeah, you know, if Jay Wolfolk is truly the successor to Brennan Armstrong, you. As good of a season as Brennan is having, I still feel like it's more likely than not he comes back next year, mm-hmm. in which case Jay Wolfolk, under ideal circumstances, would be a redshirt freshman. So it would be a similar situation to how Brennan Armstrong took over the reins. Yeah. It would be Jay Wolfolk as a redshirt sophomore, you know, with three years of eligibility as the starter potentially remaining. Yeah. Now, of course, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. You know, a lot can change between now and then. I really like Lenora Sellers. He's going to come in, not this coming year, but the next class of 2023 at quarterback. So, you know, maybe that plays into the mix. And you never know with the transfer market how that'll turn out. So still a lot of uncertainties here. We're certainly not ready to say Jay Wolfolk will definitely be the starter come 2023. But it's interesting. That's the way they're planning, at least, which I guess is the point of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that it's just nice to – it's nice to know. It's nice Bronco said that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really change much for the rest of the season, I don't think. And, I mean, hopefully we don't know. Hopefully we don't go, go back to a three-quarterback system because our starting quarterback goes out. I never want to do that again. But I, I'm just thinking, you know, it, it'll be nice to – it's nice to know the future and see how it's going to play out. Yep. So with that – it probably makes sense to go ahead and turn this discussion over to Georgia Tech for mm-hmm. 
our final segment, for lack of a better word. I agree. But before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Symbol. Symbol is the new sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. We are also sponsored by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your thoughts with Spotify Greenroom. All you have to do is to download the Spotify Greenroom app for free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever league you want. Follow whoever you want and come with your hottest sports takes on Spotify Greenroom. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. So, we're moving on to Georgia Tech. And, Rob, Georgia Tech has been a kind of a crazy kind of a crazy team this year right in the turn in the sense that they've come really close to beating some good teams and then they just really haven't closed the deal yet yeah you know Georgia Tech is three and three overall two and two in conference um they're kind of just scream average you know Mm. um as far as like getting excited, they've had two games in particular that have really excited fans. One was an ugly score, but it was at the beginning of the season, uh, 14 to eight loss against Clemson. I think we've realized since then Clemson isn't what they were built up to be yeah. in the preseason, but you know, certainly a game where Georgia tech had a chance to knock off Clemson. And then you go to the next week, the week after we play North Carolina, actually, North Carolina beats us by 20. Yeah. But they go and they beat North Carolina 45 to 22 in a game that really wasn't close. Yeah. So, you know, you have that there. But then, you know, Pittsburgh, which might be the class of the ACC, the class of the Coastal, at least, they lose to Pittsburgh 52 to 21. And then they inch by Duke 31 to 27. So they had a bye week to prepare for us, which makes me a little uneasy. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how it is, I guess, you know, only so much we can do. Yeah. But Georgia Tech is a team that, you know, on paper, they're not bad, but they're not great. So 
I don't know. Do you have any thoughts going into this game? I mean, I just, I just really hope we can keep the momentum going forward. It would just really be crushing if we lost to Georgia Tech because we don't get a lot of other, you know, shots after this. You know, looking at Virginia's, the rest of Virginia's schedule, you know, Georgia Tech, and then the other two ACC games are Pitt and Virginia Tech, and it's going to be really tough to, to win at. Uh, though it's it's gonna be tough to win the ACC if we don't beat Georgia Tech, and that's that's just a fact because you know Pitt's been really good this season. We're at Pitt, haven't? I mean, this year we've been playing good on the road, but you know historically we have not played as well on the road before. It's a tough environment at Pitt, and then Tech at home. There's just no telling what is gonna happen. So I think that it's it's gonna be it's an important game. But I think it's a game we should win. And I'm almost positive we both said that we should beat Georgia Tech at the beginning of the season. We did. We both had us beating Georgia Tech at the beginning of the season. And, you know, bringing up Pitt and the Coastal Race in general, you know, for now at least, the Coastal runs through Pitt. And not only does UVA have to win this coming week against Georgia Tech, but you really have to hope for Pitt to slip up somewhere because mm-hmm. Pitt is currently undefeated in the ACC standings right now. And with the exception, I think it was Western Kentucky, but they had a weird loss at the beginning of the season. Um, but other than that, they're undefeated. So there's certainly a chance Pitt could slip up. You know, they play Clemson this coming weekend, which mm-hmm. should be a good game. They still have North Carolina and Miami on the schedule they'll have to play. So maybe one of those teams can, uh, you know, make it interesting at least. But if Virginia wants to have any chance out of the Coastal, they absolutely have to beat Georgia Tech. And yeah. I think they know that. I don't think that significance is lost on them. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about unbalanced scheduling. The rest of their games are ACC games. They've got six ACC games left. Uh, listen to the teams they play at home versus the teams that they play away. They play Clemson at home, Miami at home. Then they're at Duke. They play UNC and then Virginia at home, and then they're at Syracuse to end the season. That is a crazy unbalanced schedule. I, except for you know going. To be fair, they did go into Virginia Tech to win, but Virginia Tech is three and three right now. It's kind of iffy if they're good or not. Then they were at Georgia Tech as well. That is a crazy unbalanced schedule, in my opinion. Honestly, anytime I hear unbalanced schedule, I just think to that 2014 basketball season when that's all Syracuse could talk about for a week (laughs) leading into that game where we beat them by like 20. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) anyway, it'll play itself out. Um, As far as the Georgia Tech game is concerned, you know, this is a game where hopefully Virginia can do all right. Jeff Collins, you know, background, as I'm sure everyone is aware, Georgia Tech used to run the triple option. Jeff Collins came in his first year in 2019 and eliminated that. So he is in year three of this turnaround. First two years had their ups and downs and struggles. This year, they're, I think, average is fair to say. But, you know, they do have some capability. Jeff Sims, I think he's a pretty good quarterback, honestly. You know, they've got some options on the ground game that they're going to try to use. Jameer Gibbs among them. Um, you know, they have some big play potential at wide receiver. And, you know, that was always kind of the weird thing with Georgia Tech is that even when they ran the triple option, they still had kind of the big play pass threat. So that's still there. But, you know, Virginia is so good at home. And I think they might have turned a corner a bit against Duke. You know, it's harder to say that when they beat Miami on a missed field goal and they Mm -hmm. beat Louisville on a missed field goal, even though Louisville, they had the big comeback. But Against Duke, 48 to nothing, I think it's enough to say that, you know, I don't feel like it's a stretch to say they might have turned a corner a little bit. So coming in at home, Virginia has lost three games at home the past, what, three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So this is an environment where Virginia hopefully should be in pretty good position. Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing our offense against their defense, right? Georgia Tech's defense is not uh, that great. They So far, they've... Well, I, it's it's actually 
kind of similar to ours, right? They, uh, they're allowing 25.7 points per game. They're allowing about uh, uh, 380 yards per game. But, uh, you know, they haven't faced... I don't think they face an offense nearly like ours. And so I'm excited to see what our offense can do, you know, coming off a really great performance at Duke and really take it to this Georgia Tech team. Listen, I mean, the offense is certainly looking pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, the home schedule is Virginia's just so well positioned to win at home. And they've done it really well the past few years. You know, hopefully it's a night game. It seems like tickets are starting to come off. Unfortunately, I will not be there. Um, it'll be the first home game of the year I missed. But I, I'm really excited about, you know, the potential for this to be a bigger crowd, the potential mm-hmm. for UVA to kind of make a statement and, Look, six and two, like Virginia might have had a couple lucky breaks, but they put themselves in position to have those breaks. And at six and two, you know, that's enough where people are kind of taking notice and no one's going to mistake Virginia as a top team in the country. Yeah. But it's it's enough for people to, you know, respect Virginia a little bit more as they head into the back third of the schedule. Yeah, exactly. I'm I, I think that winning this game is really important for for having a chance in the coastal division and uh, I, that just made me think of a funny graphic that the ACC network put out they're such idiots and they said you know <laughs> they had a picture of NC State and Clemson and Wake Forest on a graphic and they said who has the best chance to win the coastal out of these 3 and uh, i just thought it was pretty funny to <laughs> to see that yeah, good good try, ACC. I know. <laughs> They're trying their best. I know. They just it is amazing it. how we have the ACC network and we still have little, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. But is what it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, we both picked UVA to win in the preseason. Do you have any reason to think otherwise as we sit here right now? No, I don't. And, I mean, to be fair, I – I really like our chances in this game. I wish I could go to. I can't go. I've got uh, previous plans that I have to attend to. But it, it's just like, one, we need this game. And two, we are expected to win this game. This is a game that we should be expected to win. We got a vote in the AP poll this week, which is more than Georgia Tech did. So we are uh, presumed better than Georgia Tech, which is nice. And I, I think that it'll be really nice to get that six win and just get into where we need to be for, uh, for our, um, for our bowl chances. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I feel pretty similar. Um, there's nothing that's really making me flip. Although I will say, I think it's interesting, um, for the who's place predictions we do each week. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been counting the past couple of weeks that Dustin and I are still on track. You know, we had us at five and two right now, but the weekly predictions, I'm like two and four, three yeah. and four so far on the season. So the preseason predictions are holding up a lot better than the week to week predictions, which maybe are influenced by some emotions here and there. Uh-huh. Who's to say? But <laughs> I thought that was interesting. That is funny. I, I, I really appreciate your, uh, your things and for a while there you you picked us to lose against you picked us to lose against Miami and Louisville which was nice to see to see us win did you pick us to win against UNC UNC and Wake Forest yeah so yeah the joke was on me for those yeah <laughs> I, I went over four during that stretch yeah that's tough and it's good to see that you're back on track with uh doing it correctly yeah, so we're we're making our rounds. And then last thing, I guess, before we sign off here, Dustin, have you seen the uniforms for this week? <clears throat> I have not. I am I am uh I have not looked at the uniforms yet and uh I'm excited to see them. All right. Okay, uh, well they're up if you want to take a guess. Okay. Um we're home. We were just blue, orange, white, which was I think a weird looking color. And then um yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else. All right. Oh, uh, let me well, let me think. Hold on, let me think. Um, I bet we are blue, blue, white. Okay. What if I told you the so-called weird-looking scheme was coming back for a second week? I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
Blue, orange, white again. I will say, I get why people like that uniform combination. Uh-huh. I don't because it reminds me way too much of the Mike London years. It just screams Mike London to me. So I'm a big fan of the blue jerseys in general. As far as orange, I love the white, orange, white look, actually. Yeah. But anyway, that that's where we're at, and that's what uh, – Hopefully it brings the same luck. It's well, tough to argue with forty-eight to nothing. Well, it did us it did us good on the last one, so I'm I'm all for bringing it back. Honestly, even though it looked weird, I think it looked weird. I'm with you, but a lot of the Twitter comments people liked it. Uh-huh. So I don't know, man. It'll look different at night, though. I will say that much. That's uh, one thing. Like the orange jerseys, I like the orange jerseys during the day. They kind of uh-huh. like look a little different at night but yeah. maybe that's just me i'm partially colorblind so you know maybe that's just me <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe we'll see <laughs> we'll see anyway rob anything else to talk about any last words any last thoughts on football or uh anything else uh you know there's really not much i will say i'm admittedly kind of stalling right now because zach rice is set to make his announcement any minute uh-huh. um but no, other than that, I, I feel like we've covered everything. Is there anything uh, that we didn't cover that you want to touch on? Nothing from me, and uh, I think that's it. So we'll sign off now. Uh, this has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all that bonus content at Guys and Ties Pod. If you want to, you can go ahead and follow us on Insta- on uh, sorry iTunes or Spotify and or Spotify if you want to keep listening to us. And we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.